Hey there, this is Sean McMahon. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast and thanks for supporting the ministry by lending your ears, your minds, hearts, all that good stuff. Don't be afraid to share this here message with a friend or a family member, even a stranger. Have at. It's not like it's going to bite. These messages are recorded live at the Community Baptist Church of Gayhead and Aquina on Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, and the good old U.S. of A. If you're ever in town for a visit or suddenly find yourself shipwrecked on the southwest side of our lovely little island, climb up the clay cliffs and come on down to our little old chapel for our weekly 10 a.m. service. No need to wear anything special, just bring your special self. May God bless you. chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do not be afraid. That's what they were told. Just a few of them, right? Just a few of them saw it at first. They probably wondered if they were nuts. Just like I was saying earlier, we might wonder if we're nuts sometimes, believing what we believe. But don't be afraid. Go tell everyone else. Share this good news, and it's going to change the world, right? Amen. Amen. Now listen. As per Easter custom, when I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay. Keep an ear out for those key words. I want you to say it every time you hear it, okay? Amen. That's the trick of this one. So Easter Sunday, 2021. First, I want to talk about the 4th of July. The 4th of July. As you know, in America, we celebrate Independence Day on the 4th of July to mark the day that the Founding Fathers signed the Declaration of Independence. That's what happened on the 4th of July in 1776. But actually, when they signed this document, this was the beginning of a war that lasted around a decade. And it would take some time after all this before America had a new government. 
And it wasn't even the right one first. It was first it was the Articles of Confederation, right? And then it was the Constitution. But we don't celebrate all those subsequent events when they happen. We celebrate the whole story on the 4th of July. Even though not everything actually happened on the 4th of July. You follow? Mm -hmm. So why am I talking about that? Does anything have to do with the 4th of July? Well, it's because Easter is kind of like that. It's a bit like the 4th of July. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. It happened on Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago. But we also celebrate the whole story that led up to it and the whole story that follows. And think about it this way by analogy. When Jesus first came on the scene after he was baptized, he declared independence, so to speak. He was preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. This new thing is going to happen. And then he had to wage war. He waged a spiritual war with his disciples throughout Judea, preaching, teaching, and healing for three years. And at the end of the three years, at the Last Supper, he cut the new covenants, like he wrote the new constitution, right? The new commandment, to love as he loved. That was the new constitution. And he did that Passover Thursday, and then on Good Friday, he offered his body and his blood for the remission of sins. Then, then came the victory after he descended into the underworld. He burst out of the bonds of death, bringing with him all those saints who've been imprisoned by death before his time. And this is the first fruits that we're celebrating, the resurrection of Christ. This happened on a Sunday, 2,000 years ago. The first time that our people cried out, He is risen! He is he risen, risen indeed! Amen. That was the first Easter. Today, we celebrate Christ's resurrection, but really, what we're celebrating is that whole story that led up to it, and the story that follows, and, and that's still unfolding to this day in our lives. Now, most of the world calls this day Pascha. Can anyone grow up with anyone who called it Pascha? And that comes from Passover. A lot of my Greek friends still call it Pascha. But the English-speaking world calls it Easter. And skeptics of Christianity love this because the word Easter has its source in the name Ishtar, who's a pagan goddess of fertility. But actually, that's not such an inappropriate connection. Now, when Christianity first came to the Anglo-Saxon people, they recognized in the resurrection of Christ a historical fulfillment of their own mythology, of this Ishtar story, the rising from the dead of the new seasons, right? The cycles of life and death and life again. This type of connection happened in pretty much every culture that Christianity came in contact with. It's just that in our culture, we kept the word. Ishtar changed into Ishtar. You kind of see how that happened, right? We kept the word for some reason. Don't ask me how that happened. Crowdsourcing. Right? But it's, it's appropriate. It's actually an interesting myth to connect to it. Because what we celebrate in Easter is new life. Since Christ is raised to give us new life. And to make all things new. To make new, to renew hope. 
reclaim our joy and our vitality. The message of Easter is that God's power in raising Christ from the dead is the power that he wants to work mightily in your life. All things work together for the good of those that love God. That was Jesus' basic message. And his resurrection was God's vote of confidence so that we believe him and know that he wasn't lying. Okay, that is the power of saying he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is Amen. risen indeed. <laughs> Jesus was a son in God's house. He lowered himself to be a servant. He obeyed the law of Moses. The book of Hebrews says Moses was a servant in God's house. And so Jesus was perfect before this law. And the law says that the man who does these things will live by them. So Jesus and Jesus alone was perfect before the law. No one else, no one else was righteous in this way. Jesus was holy before God, and God promised, I will not let my Holy One suffer corruption. So Christ offered himself as a holy and perfect offering for the sins of mankind, and God raised his Holy One from the corruption of the grave. Death could not hold this man, the Son of the Most High, who came to the cross and proclaimed to his Father, Behold, I have simply come to do your will. So look to what extent Jesus was willing to submit and to suffer in order to accomplish the will of God for us. I've come to do your will. The will of God for us is that we may be free in God's love. And that's the cross. That's just the cross. But look at what great sign God was happy to give of his love in raising his son to prove his words true. And not just this, but in raising him into heaven too, where we are seated with him in heavenly places. Christ said, If I am lifted from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. And so both of these things came true. We are drawn to him and we are drawn into him. And where he is, there we are. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And he is in heaven with God, the author of life, and therefore so are we. So are you, each and every one of you. You have a fountain in him, a fountain of blessing. Blessings on your dreams, blessings on your highest hopes, blessings on your family, blessing on your marriage, even blessing on your career. God cares for these things. Blessings on the little odds and ends of every new day. And you might say, hey, Sean, my life is a little monotonous. It's kind of like the song Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen, where he sings, get up in the evening. And I ain't got nothing to say. I come home in the morning. I go to bed feeling the same way. I ain't nothing but tired. You know those words? Amen. He worked the night shift. The rest of us probably work the day shift, but it's the same feeling. You might feel that life is repetitive. It might be a drudgery. It might be monotonous. You might say, I already know how my day is going to go. It's been the same way since the beginning of time. 
And that's what Mary and the apostles thought too. They knew. They just knew that Jesus was dead. And they knew that death is the end of the story. And that's that because it's always been that way. That's, that's been the same way since the beginning of time. And when their story first started, Jesus brought newness and hope and promise into their lives. But now that he was gone, they knew they were just going back to the same old repetitive drudgery, monotony. But let's think about something for a second. Surely they could have still had hope that all this newness and hope and promise could be found in God. That's what Jesus taught them, right? They still had his teaching. Their leader, their rabbi, their friend, he may have been taken from them, but surely their hope couldn't have been taken from them, right? So why not have faith anyway? Jesus is gone, but why not believe anyway? And to, to be fair, that's what faith is all about, right? Faith in what you can't see, faith in what you can't touch. I think everyone in the world has a faith like that, if we really think about it. A faith in something you can't see, but, some, but what you hope is there, right? And that's what the myth of Ishtar is about. And myths like it, a way to explain the mystery of life and death. Death emerging from life, and then new life emerging from death. And a circle, and the cycle of the seasons. The, the skeptics of Christianity are right about this. Almost every culture has its resurrection myths that try to explain and make sense of their faith in a mysterious reconciliation between life and death that we can even observe in the passing of the seasons. But they're wrong that Christianity is a myth like those myths. It's not. Christianity is an ongoing testimony about a historical event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all founded on. This is why the church says, He is risen! He is risen indeed! That is the foundation stone of the Christian church. God didn't want us to guess. He didn't want Mary the apostles to guess. He didn't want us to just long wistfully for the fruit of the tree of life. He wanted to give it to us. And more than that, he didn't want us to just miss it when he offered it to us. He didn't, he didn't do it in secret. He did it out in the open. His purpose in elevating Jesus to die on a Roman cross was to make this story visible to everybody. A Roman cross during the height of one of the most powerful empires in history with its massive networks of road, trades, communication, gossip. This story would go far and wide. And some have asked, well, why didn't God just wait until our age to reveal to reveal Jesus, to tell this story, when we have the internet, when we have cameras, or, or even... Quite simply, we wouldn't have made it that far. Exactly, yeah. Even if, even if he had waited until the, the days of the printing press, do you think we would have made it that far? I mean, look at what we were doing during the Roman Empire, what we did to people like Jesus. We wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't have made it without, without the hope that this story gives us. So God didn't just have Jesus crucified publicly 
just to leave us guessing at the hidden meaning of what the cross is all about, which is what skeptics say, you know? Well, the cross is, is a story in and of itself, and he probably didn't come back from the dead, but we can learn about sacrifice and love. There's a hidden meaning to the cross. Well, that wasn't the only public thing that God did. He also raised Jesus publicly, too, to give us hope, to save us. First he appeared to Mary. It was a slow trickle, but then he appeared to 12 apostles. And then it says that he appeared to over 500 followers in the city of Jerusalem, in the capital city of their nation. That's no myth. That's history. That's a lot of people saying they saw him and dying for it. So back to the 4th of July, the founding fathers were willing to fight for what they believed in and hoped for. They were willing to fight for that and what they hoped for and believed in. But the founding fathers of the church were willing to die for what they saw. Big difference. C.S. Lewis said that we all need to decide whether Christ was a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. But I say that part of that decision is deciding whether his, whether his martyred disciples were liars, lunatics, or loyal. We accept the existence of someone like the Buddha and the testimony of his students and the, and the existence of his school and its legacy, and we do the same with people like Plato and Aristotle. The church was founded on the claim of his students too, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. The seed of the church is this good news, and it was watered with the blood of their martyrdom. They died for the words, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Ask yourself this, would you die, would you die for a way of life like these disciples did? This year, we've seen our way of life eviscerated as we try to dodge death by the coronavirus, so I think the answer is pretty clear, no. We're not really willing to die for a way of life. And we've been more than willing to sacrifice our way of life in order to avoid death. That's what we're doing. We've come a long way from Jesus and his disciples hosting dinners in the homes of lepers and ministering to the sick, touching the untouchables, risking their lives to help others, and being accused of risking everyone else's lives by their contact with these contagious and unclean people. We've come a long way from that. Most people don't and would never do what these Christians did. Humanity tends to behave this way. And as Paul says in Romans, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God proves his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And more than this, God has further proven his love for us in raising Jesus to show that Jesus was true. And the apostles died to get this message out so that the way of life taught by Jesus would be established and preserved in the world. The good news is the seed, but their blood is the water. 
that makes it grow. Now, our way of life does not need to be repetitive, does not need to be a drudgery, does not need to be monotonous. Our way of life can be one of newness, of hope, and of promise. A way of life in which, as, as John Lennon once sang, there's no problem, only solutions. Even the most mighty of empires ever to rule over the earth couldn't oppose God's Christ and his people. If God is for us, who could stand against us? you got to get with God because God's got you. That's the message of Easter. He made the first move in this love story. And as I was saying earlier, Easter is like the 4th of July in that it celebrates a whole founding story, but on one day. It takes a whole bunch of dates, squishes it into one story, and says, we're going to do it on this day. We're going to do it on this day. The founding of the church, the growth of the nation of the children of God, it continued beyond Easter, right away into Pentecost, and it continues to our day. Now, the church is established on the promise of an everlasting covenant everlasting covenant. That's why we pray at the end of the Gloria Patri, world without end. Amen. It's an everlasting covenant. So we have this promise that Christ came for, this promise that Christ's government will grow without end. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end, is what the prophet tells us. But what is this but a promise of newness? Because Christ's government is not a government in a purely political sense. Right? That's not how it works. His government, his dominion, consists of his heavenly power to say, Behold, I make all things new. So this Easter, ask, What is God making new in my life? What is God making new in my life? And ask him. Say, God, I know you raised Christ so that I may walk in newness of life. Show me, lead me in this new way of life that you've stored up for me. God has blessings in store for you. This is what this is all about. He has good things promised for you. That's what it's all about. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent his son and put him through so much trouble on your account. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Open your heart. Be tender-hearted. He will show you his love for you when you open your heart. And when you know this truth, the truth is going to set you free. We only learn to love by being loved. We learn that in childhood if we're lucky. But you have a chance to know God's love. And that's how you'll learn to love. You'll never learn to love fully the way you are designed to love by your Creator until you come to know His love for you in Christ Jesus. He's given us a cup that can overflow if we learn to let it. And if we learn to love with the love that bears all things, that believes all things, that endures all things. So what do I want y'all to walk away from with this Easter sermon? The pastor 
Hola said, Easter is like the 4th of July. And he talked a while about someone named Ishtar. Away. I want you to walk away with the, the same thing I always want you to walk away with every week. Because I like to say that every week and every day is Easter. Every day is Easter for a child of God. Every day is a day lived once again in the mind and heart of God. In his world, in God's ever-renewing world. That's carved out of a stone that's been rolled away. It's founded on the rock of the profession. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Every day is Easter. And he was raised so that we may walk in newness of life every day. Every day. In glorious freedom and greatest love. Easter is a great comfort to us for this reason. But it's also a great challenge for this reason. The challenge which saints and martyrs from millennia have risen to. If we truly believe in the way of life given to us by Christ, will we also be willing to suffer a little or even die for it, believing that we too will be raised in his resurrection? Today on Easter, by the Spirit of God, I exhort all of you, every one of you, to pray and seek in what ways God is calling you to be just such a witness? Let me be clear, I'm not exhorting you to seek ways to die for God. For it should be given that a life well lived, a race well run in the name of God, ought ideally to end in old age and good health, since both of those allow the time and energy for the maximum outpouring of love possible. I'm not talking about seeking ways to die for God, but I'm exhorting you to resurrection, to seek ways to live for God, to live for God, to live for God, be raised in Him, to take up your cross and align your heart with His purpose in raising Christ, His purpose in raising Christ, and in raising us in Christ, and raising you in Christ, which is the glorious freedom and great love which we preach. This, this is where you'll find your newness of life. This is where you'll find your personal resurrection. This is where you'll have your own personal Easter. And the world will say of you, look at him. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Or they'll even say, look at her. She is risen. She, she is, is risen indeed. God has blessings in store for you. He's got good things promised for you because God is working this resurrection power in your life if you seek that resurrection take up your cross in his name because you know what that cross is in your life follow him to Calvary because you know what Calvary means on your own journey do this freely do it with love just as Jesus did it freely and did it with love God is not going to fail to raise you to newness of life when you do these things. He is powerful to do so, and he is ever willing. And he wants you to know this, to know this. Not to guess, not to wonder. He wants you to know this. This is why he raised his son to be the first fruits of this resurrection we're talking about, to go before us 
and to show us the way to our own. So let's follow him, since he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection, and he is risen. He is risen risen indeed. indeed. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sean McMahon Podcast. Visit SeanSellickMcMahon.com for more information about his ministry. For more about Sean's music, please visit WorkmanSong.com.